Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to a city that's set on a hill. Its ruler and maker is the Lord God above. Oh, I'm going to a city and it's set on a hill. And someday I'll be in heaven and there'll be no sorrow there. Hello, everybody. God bless you today. This is Susan Puzio, and I want to welcome you to the Prophetic News radio broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. And we also have our YouTube channel, Susan Puzio, under my name. And we have Greedy Preachers TV. And there's sure plenty of those out there. And we also have our website, propheticnews.com, our two books that are available on Amazon, Seed Faith, Can a Man Bribe God? And Paula White, The Miracle-Selling Huckster, who became the spiritual advisor to the world's most powerful man. Now, who thought that was a good idea? It certainly wasn't. Anyway, also, we have our Email address, if you want to contact me, susan at propheticnews.com. And I do read my emails. And uh, if you want to contact, you can contact me there. So there's so many crazy things going on in the world. And I want to give a shout out to all our brethren in Australia that listen. And we're praying for you. I just read this morning something about they wanted they want to set up wellness camps over there. What does that sound like? Where they have these extreme, extreme lockdowns there where you can't even go out of your house. And uh, if you go out of your house, you get stopped by the police. But I, I think it's Sweden. I think I read this morning where they're going to be dropping all their restrictions. I think the real enemy that they should be going after are the people that spread this virus. That's what I think they should be paying more attention to the people that are spreading it and uh, the people that leaked it or whatever. And also we want to remember our, the families of our soldiers that lost their lives the other day in Afghanistan, which was a terrible, terrible tragedy. And the other people, so there was almost 200 people that were killed. Now, how does that happen when you have the United States that has supposed, supposedly has the strongest military in the world? Well, how does that happen? The world is, is in a mess. The church is in a bigger mess. Because we're dealing with people's eternal destiny. And I'm going to bring on my guest here, Jackie. Greetings, Susan, and everybody listening. Yes. There's so much to talk about. So many, so much going on. These are strange times, aren't they? Very, very strange. I never thought, I guess we never thought that we were going to be living in the times that we're living in. And 
We always heard about these things, about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes, earthquakes and pestilence. And then we see it. We, we see this pestilence like we never thought we were going to see, this plague that has come upon the whole earth and changed people's lives forever, really. Yeah, well, there's, every time you turn on the news, you're, it's a jaw-dropping. Well, that is if you if you look at real news and not, not the networks or, or CNN, because <laughs> you're just going to get the uh, propaganda out of those places. But there's uh, other countries don't don't have those, uh, you know, those restrictions on their media. So I watch a lot of news out of other, you know, other countries, too, because we aren't getting the full story. No, obviously we're not getting the full story, but it that that's the thing. I think one of the things that troubled me the most is to see how strong the propaganda is and how many people really believe the propaganda. Um, the brainwashing has been very effective. I know. You know, I, I do these daily polls uh, that come in, in in my inbox on, on it, it, it also does a daily trivia quiz, and it has a daily poll. And today's poll was, do you regret who, your vote in the presidential election? And it, it separated the answers by um, Republican, Independent, and Democrat. And um, all three of them pretty much answered uh, they they do not regret it. So even even the Democrats are saying they did not regret it. <laughs> even after even after all of this, okay. Yeah, it, it was, was a percentage for all three groups that they don't regret it. Well, I thought to myself after the horrendous thing that happened at the airport there, and I thought to myself, the next thing that's going to happen is they're going to go and kill somebody. So that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened to try to put on a strong front, which why did any of that have to happen in the first place? It's There's so much more going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. And Jesus promised us, I was listening to Charles Capps the other day just to hear, of course, they still play his television program, even though he's been dead for a long time. And he was saying, yes, you can have what you say. And see, you, you can't say that because you're going to be snared by the words of your mouth. And so I wonder, was there any kind of positive confession that could have stopped what <laughs> happened? Oh, I guess they just didn't uh, heck, hold on to the hands across America tight enough. <laughs> you know? uh, Jesus said you're going to have tribulation. I'm like, uh, didn't you read that part of the gospel? Because there was one father of one of the soldiers uh, that was on Tucker the other night, and he's a Christian. I listened to him. Did you see that? Yeah. Oh, oh, could you imagine seeing the Marines walking up to your house? No. Oh, it it, it brought me to tears. I did. I listened to it last night. Oh, yeah, yeah. I listened to him on, um, you know, on, on on the podcast, not... I didn't watch it, but I listened to it. So it just made me sick to, he's waiting to hear, you know, he heard that all these people died and he didn't know if his son was yeah, one of them. waiting and, and waiting, yeah. Yeah, and he's thinking if they don't come, then I think I'm in the clear. And, oh, they came. It's terrible. It's terrible. 
No. No, and they do think that they're coming home. Mm. Uh, that that's the I think the worst part is they were coming home. And yeah. uh, anyway, it's a big it's a failure. I it seems like it was a deliberate failure in many ways. And that's the thing that's so troubling is where are we going? But the most important thing really is where is the church going? And if you look at listening to Dave Hunt and listening to some of his videos and things that are posted on social media, and he he's, he's talking about today in so many ways. And uh, we see, of course, politics, we see the demise really of our once great nation, but how great can a nation be when it's legal to uh, slaughter the innocents and it's legal to experiment using the uh, cells of these murdered children. So how, how blessed can a nation really be? And we see that we see the judgment of God. We see judgment at every hand and Yet the church, for the most part, sleeps, and they won't take a stand. I I listened to, and we'll play some of these audios, but I listened to Dave Hunt talking about being at the NRB years ago, the National <laughs> Religious Broadcasters, mm-hmm. and he he was uh, he got to speak for the station managers. Now imagine that. Here's Dave Hunt speaking to the station managers, and. Uh, basically asking them if they were going to take a stand, which they never did. They just let anything get on. And now we have this thing that they call Christian television, but it isn't. That's what's happened because they refused to take a stand against false teaching. You see the parallels with the political stuff that's happened with Trump, how the left went absolutely crazy when he became president and they fought him tooth and nail every way. And even after he's no longer the president, they still blame Trump. And so the church had the same knee jerk reaction after the seduction of Christianity came out in 1985. They had this, this irrational crazed every element of the church so-called had this crazy reaction. The, the same as the, the deep state, you got the deep church, and the deep church all of a sudden came out of hiding. It's like <laughs> it's like shining a light on it, and boy, and then they then they all you know you see all the cockroaches running here and there. It happened, you know, with with the church first, and and now and then it happened in politics, and it's the exact same thing, and it's irrational as can be. But yeah. that's because they hit the button, they exposed the. With the light, they exposed the darkness, and boy, did all those roaches go running along. <laughs> I mean, it's that true. was the reaction to the seduction of Christianity. And yeah. um, well, I was in the just, Word of Faith movement at the time that it came out, and uh, oh, Kenneth Copeland, and he was he was really against it. And anyway, we wouldn't read we wouldn't dare read the book. Because we didn't oh, want to no. poison our minds and get those negative thoughts into our heads. So I didn't read the book for years until somebody <laughs> gave it to me to read. Somebody that was trying to help me. And, of course, I wasn't one of those people like 
people today, if you try to tell them something or correct them, they get mad and, you know, they, you can't tell them anything. But I took the book and I didn't tell my friend, no, I don't want this book, and, you know, throw it at them or whatever. I took the book and, and eventually I picked it up. And when I read it, I said, this book is not as bad as they were telling me that it was. <laughs> and he's making some very good points because then I would go back and I think I'd go over all the footnotes and uh, check everything out. And it all checked out. So who was lying? Mm-hmm. Yes, well, it's obvious. You know, and I think I think looking back, sadly, a lot of believers today, you know, they were probably they might have been born in, in 1985. <laughs> and so I, I yeah. get to see the good work that he did just get buried. Um, my husband published an interview with him. We went and saw him. Well, he, he he was a very good friend of ours. And but but before we even knew him all that well, I I had gone on a backpacking trip that he led back in, I guess that was 1986. He was working on Beyond Seduction at that time. And then in 87, when Bill and I met, he was working as a correspondent for Eternity Magazine. And so I don't remember if it got published or not, but we went to, right after we got married, we had flown to New York. We drove to New York because after we got married, I moved to Philadelphia, which was a drive to New York. And we yeah. met with Dave, and we and he... Um, Bill did the interview for Eternity Magazine. I think it was Eternity. You know, looking back, it was so long ago because I don't have the, I have the, I have the original, you know, printout, but I don't have the article that was published. He might have, he was also writing for RNS at that time, so it might have gotten into the religious news service and was printed elsewhere, but, you know, they didn't have the internet back then, and I searched online and it's nowhere around, but I do have the transcript. And, you know, I was shocked in, in reading this, you know, the, the interview with him, um, when, when, when Bill asked him, you know, were you surprised at the reaction? Um, I'm trying to see where is that. Um, well. I bet he was surprised. I bet he was. He, he was surprised. There's, this is so long, and you know, but it's just, it's just it's the, all the things that he was worrying about have just gotten even worse. Here, here, yeah. Here's the question. I found the question. Bill asked him, "Are you surprised at all the furor that your book has caused?" And Dave says, "I truly, truthfully, was surprised. I thought I was just writing another book." I was surprised that it almost became a household name on the lips of a lot of people who have never read it, who have been warned not to read it, who didn't yeah. know what was in it. But yeah, nevertheless, everybody seems to have heard about it and has an opinion one way or another. I wish we could get people to read it with an open mind and see what it really says and then go to the word of God. So in other words, everybody had an opinion, especially yeah. those who were told not to read it. We were told not to read it. Don't read that book. You'll get that negative negativity in your head. Yeah, there's a whole brainwashing that goes on in Word of Faith. You you can't look at anything else. God forbid you should ever go and do your own research and find out what what the Bible really says. But I, I think people like myself went ahead and read it 
eventually anyway and found out, well, <laughs> somebody's telling the truth here. And it seems like Dave was telling the truth. Oh, totally. But he stepped on too many toes. I mean, you know. Yeah, what was about the money? <laughs> no, it had nothing to do with the money. But, but I mean, as far as the televangelists were concerned, don't mess with their fame and their fortune. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, he, he was showing the perpetuity of, of he, he, he agreed with the perpetuity of the gifts, and he was accused of not believing them, but he was showing how the gifts that we're seeing today that are being taught to one another, and you go out and practice them, how that is a whole false idea in the first place, because you can't teach somebody the gift. And um, oh, oh, I know. They were always well, laying hands on people for uh, to get the uh, gift, uh, the gift of speaking in tongues and telling you word of faith people believe that you get the Holy Spirit when you get uh, tongues. Well, then I realized that. Well, when I was born again, either I got the Holy Spirit when I was born again or I didn't. So it didn't really matter if I spoke in tongues or not. But there's so much uh, false teaching that goes on. And when you're a young Christian, you you accept a lot of things you probably shouldn't accept. But what do you know? You don't know that much because you're new in the faith. But as you grow, then you become more and more responsible for what you believe and what you hear. Yes, and you do. So, if you're if you're truly born again, you do. Yeah. Problem, problem is, there's been people who have come in through the back door, some or the window, or some other way. <laughs> Others been through through repentance. Well, yeah. Right. Now, now you know here's that was put today. He's because you know he was told everybody said he doesn't believe in the gift. So Bill asked him, do you believe the gift of tongues is for today? And Dave says, absolutely. I believe in all the gifts of the Spirit for today. But I think most of what goes on out there in the name of the Holy Spirit is not of God. I think people have been hyped into it. They've been taught how to pray in tongues. They've gone to seminars and been taught how to do miracles or how to heal or whatever and to lay hands on somebody and speak in tongues, supposedly, and have them speak after you. And when they say a few hulking words, they say, you got it, brother. Now go home and practice your prayer language. Well, you <laughs> might as well go home and practice walking on water or raising the dead. You don't get a gift from God by practicing it. Therefore, my message I would like to give to the Charismatics or Pentecostals is, is that the gift of tongues, if it comes from God and it's legitimate, is the most dangerous of the gifts. It's the one that ought to be handled with the most caution because it's the easiest one to fake or be deceived by. It's not too easy to pretend to raise the dead or to deceive yourself into thinking you are raising the dead or have some great miracle, but it's very easy to deceive yourself into thinking you are speaking in tongues or deceive someone else into thinking you are. Therefore, this gift ought to be handled with the most caution, but in fact, it is handled with the least caution, whereas they would admit that not everyone raises the dead, not everyone has the gift of healing, they would claim that everybody must speak in tongues, or they're not saved or baptized in the Spirit. But my Bible <laughs> says, do all things, do all speak in tongues, do all have the gift of miracles, and so forth. So, yeah, he, he did believe in the true gift. 
But what he was doing was was really warning everybody against these false gifts that can be taught and learned and you can go to the school of the prophets and learn how to prophesy. As soon as you think you can do all of that, you stepped out of the true faith and are into magic. He was right on because exactly that's exactly how it was in Word of Faith. They would line everybody up and then they would lay hands usually on their stomach. Come on, let it boil up. Come on, come on, Baba. And then they would start, you know, they would mimic. And uh, so he was so right about the things he said. But let's play this clip of him talking about being at the NRB convention. The Pope has hundreds of the finest silk robes. He lives in a, embroidered with gold. He lives in a palace of 1,100 rooms. He has a summer palace of 1,100 rooms. He has other palaces. He's waited on hand and foot. He is hailed by crowds of people, by heads of state, wherever he goes. And all the religions love him. And you say, this man is the vicar of Christ? He represents Jesus Christ? I don't think you have to go any farther than that. Try to turn people away? No, just speak the truth. Not many will hear. Jesus, in Luke 18, 8, remember he said, doesn't sound like big last days great revival. Remember what Paul said? And, and this doesn't make me happy, folks, but I have to speak the truth. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, you remember? He said, let me put it in our language today, don't let anybody sweet talk you with this idea of a last days great revival. That day will not come except the apostasy. The falling away comes first. Evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. Jude writes, you must earnestly contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints because it's not going to be an easy path. I remember the first, well, first and only time. Somehow, I don't know why, but somehow I don't get invited back to a lot of places. But uh, I was invited to NRB, must be 15 years ago or more. That's where I met John Ankerberg. They asked me to speak to the uh, TV station owners and managers. And in my talk, I mentioned, you know, Paul talks about Hymenaeus and Philetus concerning the truth of Erd, saying the resurrection is past already. And they overthrow the face of some. And I just asked them a sincere question. I said, supposing that Hymenaeus and Philetus were living today and they're teaching that the resurrection is past, they're denying this. There's no hope for Christians now to be raised from the dead. They're overthrowing the faith of people by the millions. They're on national television. What would you do? How do you correct your ranks? Silence. No, the answer is they don't. Amazing. Mm. You know, I was, it made me triggered something as I was listening to that, um, as, you know, about something that he said. I can't remember what was that triggered it. But Bill asked him, are you, um, but you're not saying within the next decade, oh, that Jesus is coming back soon. And he said, I think he's going to come back much sooner than within a decade, but I could be entirely wrong. Anyway, uh, he says, only God knows. 
But I do feel that the Antichrist isn't just going to suddenly, here he is, and everybody falls down and worships him. I think that there is a preparation that is necessary in the thinking in the worldview, in the con- con- consciousness, as the New Agers would say it, of the world. In other words, people have to be conditioned for a while before he shows up on the scene. He's not yeah. going to come up out of nowhere, but the whole, even, even the church is being conditioned to receive such a person. Oh, yeah. Because he's going to be called, oh, he's anointed. You see, and that's a, that's a, just another word for Christ is the anointed one. And so there's going to be this guy who really has the anointing as far as the false prophet. Don't you think the false prophet's going to be said of these people that, oh, he's really got the anointing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what exactly, they're going to exactly say. what's going to happen. And, yeah. and, and Dave Hunt warned us about those things. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think if there's any time, it seems to be pretty ripe a ripe time because we can see the conditioning when I yes. can look at yesterday I look at Juanita Bynum's YouTube channel and she does a video like four or five days ago and she's already got 70,000 views now it's outra- it's outrageous you can't believe it so you when can go obvious obvious yeah. she's obvious false prophetess yeah obvious obvious an obvious con artist telling people to send a thousand dollars to get miracles and whatever. But yeah, I don't get those kind of views when I put, uh, put something up 70,000 views. Of course, YouTube tries to hide my content for most part, for the most part. And, uh, they don't promote it like they did years ago where you could get a few thousand views when you put something up. But Mm -hmm. Now they have uh, so much censorship, so they don't promote. There's certain, I guess, their algorithms or whatever. They don't promote certain channels, like when yeah, I shadow when I can, banning. Yeah, shadow banning because I can see something. You'll look at a video about a dog or a cat or something, and it gets five million views or whatever. <laughs> you think <laughs> how are how are these people getting all these views? And. Uh, but, you know, Dave was just talking about the censorship against him and in that in that thing he said about at the NRB. And I just want to read you something that he said in that interview about that. He says, okay. I am effectively cut off from Trinity Broadcasting Network and other places. Now, this is yeah. back again in 1987 when people were still showing up over there. He says, yeah. even a man that I know who agrees with me and who has a radio program across the country on several hundred stations, said that until I can get someone to take the ad- adversarial position, I can't interview you anymore. So I'm kind of, by default, cut off from radio and television. You probably know that when Hal Lindsey had me on his Saturday morning live with Hal Lindsey, and Hal is willing to have me on again, he's one of the few who's not afraid. He was cut off from about a third of his radio stations. I mean, they just cut him right off across this country as soon as they heard my voice. I mean, what am I? Am I that bad of a person? It's censorship. I wouldn't care if you printed this. It would be another place where they wouldn't have have me back again, but I don't care. We ought to know the truth. In other words, if if this gets printed in whatever publication Bill puts this in, that's going to get him in trouble and blah, blah, blah. And it did. When I was going to be on Moody Open Line radio program, I was called by the host of Moody Open Line, not the present host, 
who said, Dave, I agree with you, but I'm getting heavy pressure from the top, and I can't have you on this program unless you promise not to say anything derogatory about psychology. And he concludes, <laughs> now that's censorship. <laughs> so you see the yes. furor, the furor yes. that he caused by telling the truth? Yeah, well, he was censored. He was censored. And they wouldn't even show up to debate him. Oh, no. That's why the, that, that radio host says we can't have you on unless we can find somebody to come against you. And they couldn't because no. people were, you know, couldn't hold their own because well, he was so good defend at backing. It. Yeah. No, because he backed everything with the Bible. And most yeah. people don't didn't know the Bible the way he did. Oh, no. No, you can see. Uh, you can see that. Definitely. Let me see. Let's play. Of course, he talked about the Pope there, and we're going to talk about that, about him living in an 1,100-room palace. That's that's one palace in Rome, and then he's got a vacation <laughs> palace that's 1,100 rooms and um, golden robes. And uh, anyway, let's, let's play this one, Hunt and Doctrine. Is this our authority or isn't it? And it's not that we're just bullheaded ignoramuses. We can prove that this book is true. They're willingly ignorant. Paul says they're without excuse. They don't want to be corrected. They need sound doctrine. That's what we need. Scripture is given for what comes first? Doctrine. You know what Benny Hinn says about doctrine? He calls it sick stuff. Doctrine is sick stuff. I don't pay attention to that. Paul Crouch calls it doctrinal doo-doo. He just rips against God's rules. We want feelings and excitement. We want growth. We want signs, signs and wonders. Jesus, in Matthew 24, verse 4, warned about a signs and wonders movement. Remember? He said, there will be false prophets in the last days. They will show great signs and wonders, so convincing if possible, even the elect would be deceived. Paul warned about this in 2 Timothy 3, verse 8. As Jannes and Jambres withstood Moses, so did these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Wow. Who were Jannes and Jambres? A couple of atheists? No, couple of magicians in Pharaoh's court. They duplicated the miracles that God did through Moses and Aaron by God's power. They duplicated them up to a point through the power of Satan. Yeah. And Paul says, you want to know the opposition to the truth of the last days? It will be through signs and wonders workers yeah. in the name of Jesus, and they're going to be doing it in, in the power of Satan like Jannies and Jambres, and then Jesus says something very solemn. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we? Yeah. Mm. Prophesy in your name, and in your name, cast out devils and all that good stuff. When Jesus says, I never knew you, and there'll, there'll be many of those. Mm. Well, and it's only been on the increase because even though I think a remnant listened to Dave, back in the day, and then began to yeah. see things. Once it's exposed to the light, it becomes visible. And so he exposed these things to the light, and it became visible to those who had eyes to see. 
and those who didn't are even deeper into this um, pit than they were back then. Because, you know, those that, because look at, you can't even turn on Christian television now and get any truth. At least back then you could get some. Now you can. Yeah. And, um, oh, yeah. They're mostly sold out. It's, uh, you can't believe what's going on. It's just, it's an abomination. They've all gone the way of Cain. Yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, it's, it's yeah. sad that, but but yet a remnant did listen to him. I, I was, as I was going through files, and I showed you a picture of all my files. I know I got so much and a lot of correspondence between us and Dave because we didn't have emails back then. <laughs> no, because yeah. well, we were sharing information back and forth through, for, for decades. But anyway, I love this one letter that was good friend. Um, Actually, I don't know if I should name his name, but he is is on the board of, of Dave Hunt's uh, Berean Call. But anyway, he had sent some information over to Calvary Chapel to Chuck Smith, who was his pastor at the time, and he's now gone on to be with the Lord. And um, and I'd like I'd like the way what he said. He says he says I love Dave Hunt. This is Chuck Smith talking. I love Dave Hunt, Dave Hunt, and I do believe that he is a modern-day prophet. And I think that there are a lot of objectionable translations in some of these modern versions of the Bible, he's saying. And I do agree that the Catholic Church has done more to destroy people's chances to get to heaven than almost any other organization. And, and it's interesting oh, yeah. because Chuck Smith has been falsely accused of being pro-Catholic. Oh, and and he is more to harm people's chances to get into something and uh, casting her into hell. I guess they, people thought if he mentioned her, that was an approval, which it was just in passing. You see, and so you know that's another thing is the devil gets in there and distorts people's words. People will say one thing, and the listeners will hear something else. Yeah, that's because true. they're they're. They'll, they'll hear what they want to hear and disregard the rest, right? And so, well, the thing so is, that, back in that day, they didn't have internet, so you couldn't really back. It was harder than to catch people in their lies because yeah, you didn't that's have. True. You, you it's hard yeah. to get away with today. Yeah, you can't get away with it today because you can play the videos with them saying things, and so they can't deny that they said it. But back in that day, you, like you said, you had to you had to write letters, and you had to wait to get the letter, and then you had to put out a newsletter, and then you had to hope people read the letter, and so it was a lot more difficult to get out information out. Well, it was easier then than it was with the Pony Express. <laughs> yeah, we have yeah, but it was quite now good. now it's like the Pony Express. <laughs> but here. Here's Paul Crouch on the Heresy Hunters, a short clip. They're going around picking little bits of, of doctrinal error out of everybody's eyes and dividing the body of Christ and arguing over splinters and doctrinal hairs and, and dissipating and wasting of our time when the world's going to hell. I say, get out of God's way. Quit walking God's bridges. <laughs> Yikes, you should have taken it from my... So my great apostasy video was a lot clearer. That's a little bit muffled because I I taped all of that in the originally and it's been spread around to where, you know, it's getting it's fading away a bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, but, but he, I have that. He was I have definitely against part. people that would try to. Yeah, well, more of that's on YouTube. If you look at my YouTube channel and you look at the great apostasy video, um, it's all in there. That that okay. quote, which it won't be so fuzzy, and and that and plenty others. And I did that back in 1999, and so it's been you know people taking bits and pieces of that. It's all over the place. Those things that I accumulated and put together back, golly, that's what now, 22 years ago, wow. I know, yeah. time flies when you're having fun. But that's it, your YouTube channel is Jackie Alnor, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you could go to uh, Jackie's channel. And she she had, she had a, quite a collection. I, I'm, I don't know how big her collection is now, but she used to put everything on VHS tapes, video (laughs) with her recorder there recording off of the television to try make sure that she could document and thank God she did because a lot of these things would have been lost forever uh, if they weren't saved. Yeah and well and I had learned early on to start recording and I mean I, I it was new with VCRs you just pushed the record I didn't know how to set it up but I would just push the record and record the uh, periodically record the uh, Praise the Lord programs. I would wait till the evening because during the day, you know, with Jay Jones and some of these guys, they they didn't do much except you know do a lot of singing. But then I would record those and and I would I had two VCRs hooked up to each other and was doing the copying on one I mean and all this kind of stuff. Technology has improved quite a bit, I will say. <laughs> oh, I know. It was one big hassle. When when I first started doing television, I had those big fat tapes. That, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I couldn't... Yeah, even, and, and that's how my original Great Apostasy video was done. I had to get to a studio to do all of the... the you had to go. All the, yeah, it was analog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then... To get it, if you didn't get it on, if somebody didn't record it on VHS, it was almost impossible. I had to throw a lot of those things away because it was impossible to convert. And then they even made it harder when they went to high definition. So. I do have a, I have a couple boxes of those VHS tapes that I have not thrown away. I've thrown away a whole lot of them, and I've transferred a whole lot of them into MP4s. Through oh, the yeah. Field. So I do have the means of doing that. And and. It's not that hard. I just connect my VCR to the computer, and then I, you know, I run what is it called the OBS, or uh, you know, that you can uh, on your yeah. It's it's a it's a free software you can get called OBS, and you can just download it, and you can record anything on your screen as you play it. And so that's a good way to get clips and things like that off of your VCR. But then most oh. people don't even have VCRs. Mine's, I, I've gone through so many VCRs because, really, they wear out. Yeah, they do. And, they do. But you can still get used ones on Amazon. And so you can play these things and just grab that's what you want. That's really so. antiquated. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know, but that's where my – these things, I have them going back to 85. Yeah, and, well, that uh, was when they really came out, the VCRs. Yeah, right. So that's how old anyway. these things are. Oh, but then you got the tracking problem on them and all of that. Uh, oh, yeah, there was a lot of problems, but it's it's a good thing that you have those. Here's Dave Hunt talking about the beast. In John's third vision of this scarlet beast with seven heads and ten horns, 
A woman rides the beast, and not as in a rodeo on a creature which is trying to buck her off, but sitting relaxed and comfortable, obviously a key player in the unfolding drama of Antichrist's rule over the revived Roman Empire. Who is this woman? John's vision identifies her beyond question. First of all, she's a city, which is built on seven hills. The beast's seven heads are seven mountains, or hills, on which the woman sits. Several cities sit on seven hills, but John's vision eliminates all but one. Emblazoned on her forehead are the words, Mystery, Babylon. Saddam Hussein has been rebuilding Iraq's ancient city of Babylon, headquarters of the First World Empire. Could the woman be that city, rebuilt for the Antichrist? But it's the Fourth Empire, headquartered in Rome, which is to be brought back to life, not the Babylonian Empire. And Babylon was not built on seven hills, but Rome was, and has universally been known as the city of seven hills. The Catholic Encyclopedia states, quote, It is within the city of Rome, called the City of Seven Hills, that the entire area of Vatican State proper is now confined. Interestingly, Rome was also known as Babylon. Catholic apologist Carl Keating identifies this woman as Babylon. He writes, Babylon was a code word for Rome. It is used that way six times in the last book of the Bible and in extra-biblical works such as sibling oracles, the apocalypse of Baruch, and Estrus. Eusebius Pamphilius, writing about 303, noted that Peter referred to Rome figuratively as Babylon, unquote. Could Rome be the woman on the beast? That would make good sense, because the beast she rides is the revived Roman Empire. This woman is also called the great whore, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. Obviously, Literal whoredom and fornication would be impossible for a city, but spiritual fornication would be possible if the city were a spiritual entity. Jerusalem is such a city. It's called the Holy City and the City of God, having been chosen by God to represent him to the nations. Tragically, Jerusalem violated that relationship and was repeatedly accused by God's prophets of spiritual harlotry and adultery. Isaiah said of Jerusalem, how is the faithful city become a harlot? Jerusalem, however, can't be the woman riding the beast because it wasn't built on seven hills, nor does it meet any of the other criteria in John's vision. There is one other city in the world, and only one, which is a spiritual entity and could therefore commit spiritual fornication with the kings of the earth, and it's built on seven hills. Again, that city is Rome the headquarters of Roman Catholicism, which claims to be the true Christianity. The Pope claims to be the vicar of Christ. Moreover, the Roman Catholic Church claims that its members have taken the place of Israel as the true people of God, and that Rome is therefore the new Jerusalem. Catholic Rome claims the very titles God gave to Jerusalem, the holy city, the city of God, and even the eternal city. Let me pause for a moment to state sincerely that I have no desire to attack Catholics. I'm not a Catholic basher. I love Catholics, and I want them to know the truth. Let's set the record straight. The canons and decrees of the Council of Trent, which Vatican II reconfirmed,
contain more than 100 anathemas, damning me and every evangelical Christian for our beliefs and our unwillingness to accept Catholic dogmas and authority. So who is really bashing whom? Let's face the facts honestly, from history and the Bible, whatever they may be. Yeah, really, that would be interesting is to uh, go through that Council of Trent document. Yeah, well, see, that really hit on where a lot of the church came against him, and that was his exposure of the Roman Catholic Church. Even before he wrote A Woman Rides the Beast, which really nailed it, he had been speaking against it. He'd have, you know, in his uh, newsletters, he would he would expose the error of Rome. And, uh, like, here's, for instance, this is a, I want to talk about two organizations, CRI and SCP. SCP is Spiritual Counterfeits Project. And um, the last leader of it was uh, the author Tal Brook, Tal Brook, however you want to pronounce it. And Brooks Alexander is one of the founders of it. And that was a, it no longer exists, but both um, CRI, CRI and, and SCP came against Dave because of the Catholic thing, let me tell you. And uh, here's uh, just one paragraph from a letter that, that uh, Dave wrote to Bill December 4th, 1991. He says, I objected specifically also to their endorsement of Ignatius Loyola's spiritual exercises. Now, he's referring to SCP. Spiritual Counterfeits Project from in Berkeley, one of the probably the second largest countercult ministry at that time. Yeah. And uh, and he says, let's see. So I objected to their endorsement of, of Loyola spiritual exercises and the idea that visualization is the way to gain insight into what they call scripture passages of vivid narrative description. In fact, there are no such passages. In that respect, the Bible is as different from a novel as night is from day. There are no descriptions in the Bible that would enable anyone to recreate the scene in their imagination. Visualization for that purpose is not encouraged, even by the way the Bible is written. This is a most important subject because it is a growing error in the church, particularly now through Richard Foster's Renover, or Renover. I never could pronounce that. It's a French word. So I think you ought to come to some... So I think you ought to come to some firm convictions very soon. And I guess you know, he's referring to SCP because they were promoting Loyola, who is the one who really, even even before, uh, I mean, you know, this goes way back. What was he, the founder of the Dominicans or whatever? The Jesuits. Or the Jesuits. Yeah. Yeah, the Jesuits were. Yeah. Like, and what is spiritual so, counterfeit endorsing Loyola for? It's yeah, supposed to well, be a Christian organization. They were yeah. spiritual counterfeits. And yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And so they had the, a big I, ministry, though. They had a big, oh, they're going to expose spiritual counterfeits. Yeah. Well, of course, the other problem, of course, were Bob and Gretchen Passantino. And the Passantinos were, Gretchen was, the uh, editor of Walter Martin, and then after Walter Martin died, she was really, you know, tight with um, with Hank Hanegraaff, and Hank Hanegraaff was anti-Dave Hunt as well. But you see, they, the Passantinos were high church Lutherans, and of course, Hank Hanegraaff converted to Eastern Orthodoxy, so they yeah. liked the pomp and circumstance and all of the ritual rigmarole, and so they were offended that especially by a woman who rides the beast. That really, 
that really set them over the edge. And of course, that was that came out after uh, Dave, I mean, after Walter Martin had already passed away. But here's the thing: uh, this is a I did I did I did a transcript of a tape that was from August seventh, the year two thousand. And uh, he mentioned Carl Keating, you know, in, in one of the clips you just played. Carl yeah. Keating was, was um, the, the big Catholic apologist down in San Diego. He had his uh, radio show called Catholic Answers Live. And, uh, and so his, his was called Catholic Answers. I don't know if it still exists. But anyway, they had the Passantinos, the ones who wrote Witch Hunt against Dave Hunt, you know, hunt, witch hunt. (laughs) And uh, I have that book sitting in front of me. It's pretty appalling. I mean, not everything in there was bad, but then again, they they would show where they maybe agree with some of the things, but then they would take issue with other things. And uh, and one of the things, of course, was Catholicism. So they were on Catholic Answers Live, Carl Keating's radio show. And um, and he's a blatant heretic, too. Oh, I know. Well, he's I mean, Dave Hunt uh, debated Carl Keating. But anyway, oh. on this show, I, I just highlighted some things because it's too much. to. <laughs> I, have, I probably have information overload in front of me. But here's a statement that Gretchen made on that Catholic radio show. And by the way, they were also on EWTN with Mother Angelica. Oh, no. That's another story. Uh, so Gretchen says, um, she says, I think also the offer that this program is making of the apologetic sport packet would be very good resource for you to use. We, or Catholic Answers, or anybody at Catholic Family Radio should be able to point you toward the resources that would be helpful to you. And can you imagine? She's, no. And then she's, here's another statement she made. She's, she's, this, is when, this is when they were saying, thank you for being on the show, and she says, thank you. It was a blessing, and we love Catholic Family Radio and listen to it all the time. Oh, okay, no. that's the late Gretchen Passantino. And so you can see that those who, who had an upper over what Dave was exposing, and he was documenting and had the footnotes on everything, he was very careful that it touched something. What they, one of the things that they didn't like, and Witch Hunt really shows this, the book Witch Hunt, is that you don't dare touch the Catholic Church because they have historicity. They're historical. And if they're historical, you can't get hysterical about it. But on page 36, this really says it all. On page 36 of Witch Hunt, the, uh, the Passantinos write uh, uh, regarding Dave Hunt's seduction. They said, perhaps because of the strong biblical emphasis on the presence of false doctrine during the end times, some Christians inadvertently promote their own personal views of the end times to the exclusion of any other Christian beliefs on the subject. All Christians throughout the centuries and throughout the world have believed the cardinal doctrine about Jesus' second coming, but the church has never considered only one interpretation of the events surrounding the second coming as a determiner of orthodoxy and heresy. One caller to our radio show informed us that he knew the Lutheran church was a cult because he had attended a Lutheran Bible study and the teacher had said he did not think the idea of the pre-tribulation rapture was based on a good interpretation of scripture. Regardless of one's eschatology, responsible Christians and churches have never made more than the simple fact 
of the second coming as a test for orthodoxy. Now, see, they and uh, and uh, the 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 editor of Christian Research Journal, who has also passed away, Elliot Miller. Their biggest issue with Dave was him putting um, his understanding of end times into his apologetics. They don't like that, and they and they many of them still don't like that. And so, you know, because when you recognize what's going on and you apply what you're seeing to to Bible prophecy, that just sets them off. And so, yeah, that but doesn't means, the Catholic Church believe that? The world's just going to end, and this is what I remember being taught, that the world's just going to end, and then God's going to judge people for who who joined his church, which is the Catholic Church. And if you didn't join the Catholic Church, then you were sentenced to hell or whatever. Yeah, that's all millennialism, and that's their official idea. But then yeah. they, have, they have mystics and stigmatists and Fatima and Lourdes and all these apparitions that paint. Um, a lot of uh, bad stuff happening before the end, and um, so so they're saying so they're seeing it through that grid. The things that are going on today within the Catholic Church, the the Catholics like you know Michael Boris Taylor Marshall, Michael Matt, these these guys within the Catholic Church are seeing what's going on with the Pope uh, joining up with the New World Order and all of that. They don't see it through the eyes of the scripture. They see it through the eyes of their mystics and their apparitions who say that there's going to be these days of darkness coming. And, you know, then there's going to be an anti-pope and there's going to be a good, a good leader. Then they're going to, you know, and, and, and Mary herself is going to take them all down. So, they, they, so there is this fringe eschatology. Yeah, there's a fringe. But that, but that I couldn't, I can't understand why they would disagree with Dave Hunt on so many things, especially if they knew what Catholics really believe. Didn't they do their homework and find out that Catholics believe that there will be the end of the world and then God's going to judge who didn't join his church? Which yeah, but claimed. most of these, most of the denominations that were from the Reformation, they most of them are either all millennial or post-millennial. There's very few of them that are pre-millennial. And, yeah. uh, you know, premillennial, meaning that Jesus comes before his millennial rule. Postmillennial is pretty much saying that, you know, he comes after the church has ruled the world for a thousand years. And, uh, of course, that, that kind of idea, the postmillennialism, is what others that took issue with, uh, with Dave, a lot of the Reconstructionists, such as, you know, uh, Gary DeMar, who wrote the reduction of Christianity in response to Dave Hunt, he was a Reconstructionist, believing that the church had to rule the world and then the Lord could come. And you see, they gave theological basis to the NAR, the New, Epis- New Epistolic Yeah, the Seven Mountain Mandate, that's what it sounds that's like. That's right, that's right. And and though you don't hear about, you know, Rusus Rush Dooney and Gary North and Gary DeMar that no. much anymore... Mm-hmm. Um, they they still had that influence because they were more uh, scholarly. So, you know, they were able to uh, uh, spiritualize away clear passages into whatever their presupposition was with uh, post-millennialism. And again, big in, in, in Calvinism, when you consider the fact that everybody wanted, they had the church state idea, you see, Calvin did. 
even Luther did in Germany. So, so these these kinds of things, you know, it it is it can seem so convoluted. I, I hate to get too deep into it because I don't want to confuse the issues because this this is big. It 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 hits every element. Every element, you know, the you know, Hunt, Dave Hunt got got the ecumenism people mad. He got the humanists mad. You know, the 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 people who, you know, the, the, the secular humanism coming into the church. He got the charismaniacs angry, the liturgists, liturgists angry. He angered the reconstructionists and he angered the mystics. He got them all mad. And so they all came out of their little hiding and they all converged upon him, you know, and, uh, you know, but the Lord prevailed and, and Dave prevailed all the way to the end. He did. And he was such a light in this darkness. And I knew him very well. He lived what he preached. He and his wife, Ruth, were the godliest couple I think I've ever met. And, um, you know, and, and they, 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 they practiced what they preached. And that was what I just loved about Dave Hunt, because the Lord was showing him so much, and he was getting it out there. And maybe the Lord was showing other people, and he did he did influence a, a lot of people that came after yeah, him. Yeah, he did. You know, yeah. A lot of my friends, he did. I mean, people like Warren Smith and um, um, and Ray Youngin. And, I mean, he did influence. He influenced me and my husband. He yeah, influenced an awful lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he influenced so, a lot of people. That's true. He paved the way for what we're doing now. So, so many of us. And uh, thank God that there's there's still people that are out there trying to get people's attention about what's going on before it's too late. So we we thank God for raising him up and that he was able to leave behind these uh, videos. There's a lot of video information about him on YouTube, although I don't like to give YouTube plugs, but... That's where most of the information is. But let's play this. I'll play this clip of Dave Hunt talking about um, Norman Vincent Peale. And, <laughs> and Shuler, because, right? Uh, yeah, well, he talks about Schuler and Hill, Napoleon Hill, because he was really big at the time. We'll talk about it after the clip. Oh, yeah, thank you for having me. to see yeah. people now through experiences. Uh, because telling everybody to read this book because he had the secrets of uh, prosperity. And meanwhile, he was getting his information from the occult. Mm-hmm. And and that book was huge among Amway distributors. I, I just knew that for a <laughs> Oh, because they had to get to the diamond, right? They had to climb that pyramid. <laughs> and by golly, he was going to show them how. He was quite the motivational guy. Yeah, but you see, these were all out outside the church influences that came into the church. And I, and Dave was just trying to show and expose the difference between the, I, the biblical idea of prosperity, prospering in the spirit and in the work that you're doing in the Lord. When you talk about prosperity is growing rich in Christ. And then they brought in these worldly ideas, very carnal to think that we have to be rich in, in things of this world. And and they always point to Abraham, 
Oh, Abraham, oh, you yeah. know, he's so <laughs> rich. Yeah, yeah, that was her favorite. Oh, yeah. look at all the stuff he has. And yeah. Job, look at all the stuff Job had after, because he wouldn't make a negative confession. Right, yeah, because, it, and you dare not say you have a headache, because, oh boy, you know, you can't confess that. You have no. to say, I feel fine, I feel pretty, oh, so pretty. I feel well, pretty and witty and gay. <laughs> Yeah, when no, you went seriously. to church, they say, people say, how are you doing? You could never tell them how you were doing. No. Never. No. You had to, oh, I'm blessed. Praise the Lord. That's right. You know, no negative confession. No, God forbid. A negative confession. I'm having a bad day. Yeah. You, you don't want anything manifesting in you if I speak <laughs> it. Well, it matters. I know, but then I used to say, then when I was coming out of my stupor there from word of faith, and then... People like Dodie Osteen and different people were getting cancer. And Charles Capp's wife had to have a liver transplant. There wasn't enough positive confession for her. To And I would think to myself, well, what are they saying? Are they trying to say that people that have cancer are confessing it? How did they get cancer? They didn't confess. I want cancer. I wish I would get cancer. How did they get cancer in the first place? You know, these positive confession. How did Dodie Osteen get cancer? She was word of faith. She wasn't confessing, I'm going to get cancer, but she got it. And But then they want to tell you that after you get cancer, that you can confess it away, even though you weren't supposed to ever get it in the first place. That there must have been sin in your life, or you, you had to do something wrong that uh, you got sick. Right, and and if you didn't keep your healing, that was your fault too. Oh, that was another big one. But after I yeah. got out of word of faith, if I had a headache, I would say it. I have a headache, and I would just I would say that's. Not... <laughs> oh yeah, don't say that. <laughs> but I would just say things because I realized I wasn't the master of my own fate. Mm. My mind's well, positive confession wasn't going to bring me out of situations. It didn't bring me out of a lot of situations. Yeah, and you know, at that time also, um, I forget the name of the book, Earl Polk also really came down on on uh, Dave Hunt. And, you know... Oh, he should talk. It, it, I know. Here's the thing. He he, he wrote, uh, held, was it held in the, held in the Heavens Until... You know, pretty much spelling out this whole Dominion Kingdom now theology in which, you know, uh, Jesus was held in the heavens until uh, the church put everything under their feet. And that was the argument that, well, the the Bible says that Jesus will put everything under under his feet, every power principality and all that will be under his feet. He says, well, we're the body of Christ and he's the head. So if Jesus is the head, who's the feet? The feet is the church. So every so we have to put everything, all the government and everything under our feet. You see, I mean, you see the, the scripture twisting. That and these are the things that that Dave Hunt exposed for how unbiblical they were, and how useful they were for these vile men to raise money and to, uh, you know, the church triumphant. They would talk about. By, and the Catholic Church talks about that. The church is triumphant after we're resurrected and we come back with Jesus. But you see, that's not their eschatology. Actually, eschatology matters a lot in how you interpret things. Because if you think that, you know, you're going to be the church triumphant, such as even like the Catholic organization of, of Michael Voris's is church, is, is church militant. 
So the church militant and the church triumphant, those are all these Catholic ideas of ruling over everybody, which the Catholic Church has always tried to do and it is indeed has done with the Holy Roman yeah. Empire and all of that. And so they they just felt like, oh, well, we still got to get that rule over the whole church because that's how we're going to be the church militant and the church triumphant. I mean, if you even want to use those, first of all, those terms aren't in the Bible. But secondly, the ideas aren't even in the Bible unless you've got your eschatology wrong. And when you do, then everything else is just messed up when you see things through that grid. That's the... That's the wrong worldview. Your eschatology does determine your worldview. And uh, and some of them would agree with that and think that, well, we've got, if, if we believe Jesus is coming back and that everything's going to, to, to get worse and worse until the Antichrist comes and all of that, then we've got a negative worldview, you see. And they oh, have yeah. the triumphant one because they're going to win and they're going to rule and reign and they're going to have this new breed come on the scene and take over, and the whole world's going to, in the Catholic version, is the whole world's going to become Catholic, according yeah. to the mystics and all of that. Yeah. And then the and then the NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation idea, is we are going to win over the seven mountains, and we're going to rule and reign, and then hand it over to Jesus when we're ready. <laughs> I know. I, I don't know where they get it from, but you could see the handwriting's on the wall anyway, because you could see they're still uh, they still want a political figure to save them, which that's not going to happen. And so, yeah, so they can have their seven mountain mandate and take over all these seven mountains and uh, get the earth ready. They're going to get the earth ready for for Jesus to come back, but it's such a deception. And that that's the sad part is they can't see that everything's falling apart and you can't trust political systems. They're, they're, these people are politicians, so they have motives. And it's bad enough when you see politics in the church. It's horrible. And it's even worse with people that aren't saved. They play politics and they tell, they'll tell people anything. And they can't save they can't hardly save themselves, never mind saving the world. No, but it's, I mean, it's it, a, sad. And is the gospel going forth from these people? You know, you you can watch so-called Christian television, Daystar and all these things, and and they're usually talking about how great I am. You know, oh, we're so yeah. great. You know, you're not, you're, they're not lifting up Jesus the way they lift up themselves. And well, um, because they've become the, what the Bible talks about, you become rich, and they weren't, they didn't become rich because God blessed them. They, they became rich through extortion, right? And yeah, and so yeah, the Church of Laodicea, in need of nothing, yeah. and they know that they're poor, miserable, blind, and naked. Yeah, and that's the yeah. example then that they set forth for the world to see. And the world's not buying it. You're not going to win anybody with that kind of a gospel. No. <laughs> sinners reject, they reject that. They can see the hypocrisy in people where you say, yeah, I love Jesus. And then you're conning people and extorting money from people. So there's so much reformation that needs to be done in the church as it, as it is. And, We've got our work cut out for us. We're going into our 12th year here. 
on my program, which is hard to believe. <laughs> but let me see. I think I have a clip here of Dave Hunt talking about Hitler. Let's see if this is it. I'm not sure this is the right clip. Titled Held in the Heavens Until. There you he go. Says, Jesus is held <laughs> in the heavens. He can't come back until we've taken over the world, and he will not come back to rapture us, but he will come back to reign over the kingdom that we've established. Now you can see the problem. If we are a heavenly people, Philippians chapter 3, our citizenship is in heaven from whence also we wait for the Savior who will change our vile bodies that they may be transformed to be like his body of glory. Something's going to happen to our bodies to, to equip us, uh, to fit us for this heavenly realm. What did Jesus say in John 14? In my Father's house are many mansions. He said, I am going away. You will have sorrow. You will see me no more. But I want you to know that I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You all know 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, if the real Jesus is going to catch us up and meet us in the air, and you are looking forward to meeting a Jesus who, when you meet him, your feet are planted on planet Earth, and he simply has arrived to take over the kingdom you've established for him, you have been laboring under heavy, heavy delusion. Not only that, you have been working for the kingdom of the Antichrist, who will not be an obviously evil ogre with horns. He's going to be a man of peace, love, and brotherhood who's going to establish unity on this earth as never before. Of course, it's going to fall apart at the seams, but not immediately. Why was Hitler able to deceive even the born-again fundamentalist Christians in the 30s in Nazi Germany because he was for all of the right things. He was for law and order. He was for peace. He brought prosperity. He was for cleaning up crime. And they thought he was God's man of the hour. Indeed, he said, Hitler said, National Socialism is, and notice his terminology, Positive Christianity, I'm quoting him verbatim. Positive Christianity is what Hitler preached. And he said that he had been ordained by providence to establish the kingdom upon this earth and for a thousand years representatives from all over the world would, would come to Nuremberg to remember this great event. And many born-again Christians believed this and it was too late before they realized that he was the nearest thing to the Antichrist that the world has ever seen. Wow. Yeah, yeah, wow. Well, again, Hitler was a dress rehearsal for the Antichrist, and we're seeing a lot of dress rehearsals for his, the, you know, how close we are getting to the end. I, I would like to just read this two paragraphs that I wrote um Way back in the day, back in the, my uh, Christmas Sentinel from the spring 1995, it was a review of A Woman Rides the Beast. And I wrote, this book is a valuable lesson for us in these perilous times. It is a wake-up call to 
stand firm for the truth and to shun the folly of the academically correct propaganda being rammed down our throats from so-called theologians. The ecumenical movement is gaining steam and is leading the way in these last days toward the long-ago prophesied great falling away in a false one-world religion. Hunt put it this way, quote, Paul wrote, though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which you, we have preached to you, let him be accursed. He was referring to those of his day who pervert the gospel of Christ. These Judaizing legalists, while partly affirming the true gospel, also declared that, in addition, one had to be circumcised and keep the law. That addendum perverted the gospel and brought Paul's curse upon them. Catholicism has had 15 centuries to add things to the gospel that the Judaizers never imagined. It merits Paul's curse. Yeah. Days. And, and, and that's it. You know, the, the, uh, his book and, and the documentary that you can find online, by the way, just look up A Woman Rides the Beast and look for the documentary, which is very good. Um, you know, he, he warned people about that, and that got him in trouble as much as the seduction of Christianity did. The reaction to the ecumenical people. I mean, uh, would you believe that James Robeson was, was once a very good friend of Dave Hunt? And, uh, and Dave asked me, I, I got invited to a, uh, well, I don't know if I can find it amongst this stack, but I found the letter that I wrote to him telling him what James Robeson said about him. Now, keep in mind that James Robeson is one who says that that if that we're we're denying or we're in trouble if we don't accept the Pope because um, you know because he's he's going he's trying to bring us all together as one, and that if we don't <laughs> yeah, join together. Is. You know, then we are against the Lord because the Lord says in in what John 17 or whatever that that He prayed that we would all be one. And anyone who's not working toward that is it is in big big trouble with God. That's what James Robeson says. Man, boy, I can't it, I, I can't get my hand on it, but I I have in this. I have see that's what I mean. I had just overkill of saying. Oh wait, maybe this is it. Uh, Oh, wait, no, this is something else, too. Oh, wait, that's weird. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, yeah, this was from me. Uh, let's see. Okay. I, <laughs> I wrote, this was back October 1980, October 30th, 1985. And Dave Hunt had asked me, he knew I was going to be going to this banquet where James Robinson was going to be. And so he asked me to go up and ask him what he thought of, of seduction of Christianity. This is right after it came out. And so I said, dear Dave, encloses the letter I wrote yesterday to James Robeson. Oh, wait, oh, uh, let's see. And thank you for your words of encouragement. Your words came back to me as I sat at my table. His words saying, go talk to him. Uh, I was I was glued to my seat, fretting over how I might be perceived if I should interrupt the conversation of a table full of celebrities, namely Pat and Shirley Boone, Rosie Greer, Meadowlark Lemon, uh, Rhonda Robeson, Redmond, and of course, James Robeson. As he finished eating his salad, I noticed <laughs> that they were about to serve the main course, and my sister said to me, it's now or never. So I walked right over to him, and he held out his hand to shake my hand. 
I handed him the letter saying, oh, yeah, because I wrote him a letter, saying that I felt he might not ever read it if I mailed it to him. I asked him, have you read the book, The Seduction of Christianity? He said, yes, without comment. I then said, what did you think of it? He then went into an emotional dissertation. I'll recap as much as I can remember. He said he spoke to you about the book a couple of weeks ago in either his or your office. He said he thought it would cause division, and he is opposed to that. He accused you of judging, but on the other hand, he said there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. He said just because some Christians use the same words as occultists doesn't mean they are of the occult. He said you are doing more harm than good in judging these men. He said that you have important things to say, but it should be presented more positively. He said he'd like, he said he'd like to work with you on many of your findings and that he himself has spoken out from the pulpit against many of the same things. He said he may differ with John Wimber, but John may not agree with everything he says either. He said that he's looking for Christ, not the Antichrist. Uh, I said, I did get a couple of words in edgewise in your defense. I asked him if he thought that Dave's intention with the book was to help other Christians. He said, yes. I asked him if he read your other books, The Cult Explosion and Peace Prosperity, and he said he hadn't read them, but others had recommended that he should, and he said that he would. I asked him if we should go on deluding ourselves, or should we be grateful when corrected, since we are all in this together. He agreed with the letter, and with the latter, rather, and I then got a smile from Pat Boone, who was sitting at the other side anyway. I go on and on just telling him about all of these things that, um, you know, that Dave, I mean, that James was, you know, really friendly and nice. But really, after I said that to him, he couldn't even eat. He really did get all excited, I, you know, as I was oh, yeah. explaining to Dave. And, and he didn't even get to eat his meal. And it was then his time to go speak. And so he runs up to the microphone with, uh, with his dinner roll in his hand, <laughs> eating as he spoke to the, to the whole. Uh, well, that would happen now. You wouldn't even get near him now. But he, he really I, uh, went off the deep end by going to visit the Pope and then recommending. Yes. The Pope. And you see, these are those things that stumble those that got so mad. It's their love for Catholicism. It's their uh, there, there was a there was a, a researcher at, at at CRI back under Walter Martin because Walter Martin was very ecumenical, wanted every part of the church to be represented, and so this one one of them I won't name him, but he wrote a yeah. book about about um, you know heresy and, and know the difference between orthodoxy and heresy. And he says it was heresy to not follow our roots all the way back through the Reformation, through the a- ancient Catholic Church back to Jesus. So these, <laughs> you can't Jesus, trace it back to Jesus. <laughs> well, that's what that's what the, they want you to believe the, that. But we're going to the reformers that look at now. it that way. The reformers well, tend to look at, the, at it that way. Yeah, it depends on which reformers you're talking about. There's, there has to be other reformers that they try to hide. Uh, I, there's a lot of history that we need to document and bring out because there's a lot of things that have been hidden to make you think one way. So because they want to push their narrative, the Catholic Church, that's what, what it is. But I'm sure there's other reformers that we need to talk about that aren't as famous as the ones that the name well, that we know. Well, to direct you to the Reformation, 
which was designed to reform the Catholic Church, not yeah, to reform the Catholic it. Church. Yeah, exactly. It they didn't succeed, so then no. then they moved on from there. But you know, yeah. according to that uh, Orthodoxy and Heresy book, you need to trace yourself back to Jesus historically, and you can't skip the Catholic Church to do so. Well, so they say. That's how they have written history, but there's a whole history that needs to be brought out that debunks all that, yes, because Luther was trying to reform the Catholic Church. But these people originally did not like that about Dave Hunt, that he skipped all that. Well, no, they, they because then they, they try to act like they're so brilliant when they spout off these church fathers and whatever that right. are heretics and deceivers on their own. So, but it, there's a there's a whole other program that we need to do about history someday because I don't I don't like the way they've portrayed us in history. And I don't like the fact that they call us Protestants when we're the real Christians. They're the ones that are protesting the truth of the Bible, but yet they've twisted everything mm-hmm. to portray us in a light that we shouldn't be portrayed in. So we need to we need to uh, talk about that. But you can see how these people have compromised. People like James Robinson totally compromised himself and now promotes Catholicism. So you can see how these people then, because they won't stand up for the truth and they're, they want their money and they want their fame. And they're, they've led so many people astray by their false doctrines and their false teachings. And it, it's really pitiful. It really is. <sighs> yeah, well, and that, you know, brings us to the mess that the church is in today. And... Um, You've got now all the big mega churches entertaining. I mean, we really have yeah. the church of Odyssea is yeah. in full swing now. That's and Dave warned us back then that these things were going in that direction. And he did rescue many. And, uh, you know. Oh, he did. I think he, he paved he the way for so many of us now that we yeah. kind of picked up the torch where he, he was the... Uh, the troublemaker, so to speak, for the devil <laughs> back then. And he got everything stirred up. And so he, so it made us question so many things. I did, after I read the book, I questioned so many things, and it helped me to get out of the Word of Faith movement, his book, and so many others. And then when I got the Internet, I, I already left the Word of Faith in 97, but I think I got the Internet somehow sometime in the beginning 2001, 2002, I used to have web TV because I was afraid of a computer. And then I started researching and I found you and I found other people that I said, well, they feel the same way I do, but yet they want to tell you that you're wrong. And, uh, but there were so many people that really had testimonies of uh, coming out of these false doctrines. But anyway, that's our program for today. But, uh, we want to we're so grateful to the lord for people like dave hunt and all the work that he did and we'll be doing i'll be doing some more programs about some of the things that he taught and he brought forth because it's so meaningful to us now that we have that to look back on and we can learn from that and we can build upon that especially it's uh he really left an impact, and um, 
I was just privileged to have gotten to be his friend, to uh, to have known him. Yeah. And all the information that you've been able to glean, your files and uh, your videos, yeah. And, and uh, to be able to put all that together, I think would be great to kind of do a documentary on uh, what these people left behind for us and then how we can build on it. Sure. Thank God. Thank God yeah. for it. And thank, thank God for all the researchers. Really, they he did all his own research, and that's a lot of work to do all that research and so many topics that he knew about in depth. And Absolutely. We know what, yeah, we know what it's like. You've been doing research for how many, 30 years or more? And you know what it is to be able to do research. Back in the day when we didn't have computers, you had to go to the library and take out books. When I would go, when I was going through, say, when I was going through his footnotes, I would have to go to the library and take the books out and read the books. <laughs> yeah, and now he you can do, Yeah, now you can just do so many things online, so it makes it easier for the researchers to uh, do the research. But anyway, Jackie, I want to thank you so much for. Uh, being here today and for blessing us. It was a great blessing. Thank you for all the work that you've done. So how can people get in touch with you? Well, you can sign up for my uh, Facebook page. Just look up Jackie Elnor and you can look at the ChristianSentinel.com for my uh, articles that go way back. And of course, follow me on YouTube. And I, I'm hoping uh, this whole interview that Bill did with uh, him back in 1987, there's so many tidbits in there that need to come out. And so I'm going to have to transcribe it because I don't have the old Osborne computer we had back in 1987 to get the original. So I'm going to be doing some typing because I got to get this out there. And yeah, I'll you'll be doing a lot of typing. Too. Also, then, are you you're preparing a Bible study? Yes, I'm putting together a six-part series on for for women to just well, really for for one of my sisters is having a home fellowship, and so I'm not sure I'm going to be able to go there in person, but I want to just try to simplify Bible prophecy because a lot of people don't know all the different elements of it, and just to put it in you know, in normal English, uh, yeah. know where we're at today because a lot of people avoid even studying Bible prophecy. And, you know, and I and I think I, it does need to, because we're seeing so many things go on that are the signs of the times that, you know, it's it's important for people to to have that understanding as you see what's going on today and where it's leading. So well, where can they I am sign up working on if that. they wanted to sign up for your Bible study? Well, it, it would be if, at ChristianSentinel.com. And I will also talk about it on Facebook when it comes, to, but it will be it will be on Christian Sentinel, so, or, you know, a direction to it. Okay. So they so. can go to your public Facebook page if they have any questions and yeah, well, the public find out Facebook. more. Yeah, my Jack, yeah, Jackie Elner one isn't public. It's just my regular Facebook page, but my public Facebook page is Christian Sentinel. It does have when you can oh, follow okay. me on That's that. Oh, okay, that's public, so they anybody can contact you there. Right, right. Okay, then. All right. Christian Sentinel on Facebook, and you can talk to Jackie 
and that she'll talk back to you. <laughs> Theoretically. <laughs> yeah. All right. God bless. All yeah, right, man. everybody. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks so much. Yeah. Okay, everybody. The most important thing today is do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one, Romans 3.10, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6.23, be but God commandeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Repent of your sins today. Give your life to Jesus. Receive a brand new life and the forgiveness of your sins. God loves you. He really does. Accept that free gift today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 